Paying final respects to Civil War veterans who died on the far side of the Atlantic. I'm Chris Mikowski, and today on the Emerging Civil War Podcast, we'll talk with Gina Denham from the Monuments for UK Veterans of the American Civil War Association, and blogger Darren Rollins from American Civil War and UK History. We'll talk about their efforts to recognize Civil War veterans buried in England today on the Emerging Civil War Podcast. Have you been collecting the Emerging Civil War 10th Anniversary series of hardcovers? We hope you're picking them up. We started out with the Summer of 63 Gettysburg, followed up by the Summer of 63 Vicksburg and Tullahoma. Those two books are in conversation with each other, talking about one of the pivotal periods of the entire war. And then we've followed it up recently with Grant versus Lee, tracing the generals from their first encounter in the wilderness all the way to the parlor at Wilmer McLean's in Appomattox. That's Grant versus Lee in the Emerging Civil War 10th Anniversary Series, available from Savis Beatty. You can order signed copies online at www.savisbeatty.com. Welcome to the Emerging Civil War Podcast. I'm Chris Mikowski. Delighted to have you with me today. And I have got two friends with me from the far side of the Atlantic. Uh, Emerging Civil War fans know our friend Darren Rawlings of American Civil War and UK history. Daz, how's it going, pal? Yeah, good. Really good. It's uh, doing really well. Uh, and I appreciate you showing the colors there. A nice shirt. Yep. Thank you very much. <laughs> Gift from uh, Mr. Mikowski. <laughs> and also joining us is Gina Denham from the, I've got to make sure I get this name right, the Monuments okay. for UK Veterans of the American Civil War Association. Gina, hello. Hello, you got it in one, well done. That's because you coached <laughs> me really well ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> and uh, Gina's working on a really exciting initiative to get monuments and headstones together for veterans of the U.S. Civil War who then went to the U.K. and died over there. So Gina, tell us a little bit about your project. Okay, so it was really born <laughs> from my birthright, really, and I say it my birthright in that my great-great-grandfather uh, was George Denham, who served with the 111 Pennsylvania Volunteers and later transferred to the U.S. Navy, having been a a mariner in the US Navy before, and he served on board the USS Chickasaw. So he saw action from, uh, well, he got the train to Nashville, um, served at Warhatchee, Lookout Mountain, uh, Mission Ridge, and then uh, the kind of siege at Ringgold. And then um, after that, when he transferred, he then served at Mobile Bay. And and then after the war, because of his experiences of the war, he came back to England and um, died in 1914. My family knew very little of this. All we knew is that we had a member of our family who, who got a pension from the American government to the day he died. That's, that's it. Uh, I'll move a very, I'll make a, a long story, a 105 year old story, very short. Um, 
I learned about him as a young person. My mum told me about him from her, her father, etc. And in 2005, I started the, the, the process of learning more about him. And it kind of, I did everything I could to find out about him, but the most frustrating thing was I couldn't find out where he was buried in England. Uh, that was due to a, uh, an admin error by the, the cemetery that he was buried in, because it turned out he was buried in a cemetery in North London. And we found that out in the summer of 2020. And if you imagine, if you will, it's a wonderful you know, kind of Hollywood ending to this story. You know, I'm thinking of the Waltons, Walton Mountains, you know, this kind of magical moment where my mum and I went to the cemetery in North London to find this hero of ours, this man who'd served in American Civil War. And when we got there, there was nothing. And it, 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 he, he, the cemetery that has existed for about 150 years old, imagine this kind of Victorian old London cemetery with, you know, uh, uh, you know trees and plants and flowers growing over the uh, headstones. Well, we trampled around this cemetery for about two hours. I was determined to find this headstone because surely this man who, you know, got little more than the thanks of a grateful nation for his endeavours, surely that he would have a headstone. Sadly, that wasn't the case. Okay. And that really set in, into kind of into, into motion where we are today, because I found out that a Department of Veteran Affairs will supply for any veteran of any conflict without charge a headstone. And so that's what I set out doing. Um, I kind of, I, I always overthink things. So I was saying, you know, we found this plot eventually, as I say, and I said to my mum, oh, you know, we'll get a headstone. And then I said, actually, why don't we try and, you know, take this to the next level? Let's do a dedication ceremony for him 110 years after he passed away or thereabouts. So again, started it. And that's probably how I met Darren. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I've got to say on record, you know, the fact that Darren and the other living historians who came along, who were kind of uh, with the meet and greet team for all my family and the descendants of George Denham, of whom there were about 20 turned up. And it blew my mind to see all these federal soldiers standing by his headstone, this lovely headstone from the Department of Veteran Affairs. And that kind of and then I learned that George Denham wasn't the only veteran there. You've got James O'Neill, Company K of, of the, um, the 61st Massachusetts, buried about 100 feet from my grandfather. James Shrewsby, um, many other uh, veterans um, who many of them died in poverty. And I, and I thought, what a travesty. You know, I'm quite existential in my way of thinking. And I like the idea that we remember the ripple of our essence passes forward, even though we may pass away, the ripples of our actions pass forward, our acts and deeds and memories. And it just kind of got to me that, you know, James O'Neill had nothing for his service to the union, my, my, you know, other than memories. And that had so, again, I've applied for his headstone. And perhaps one conversation led to another. Darren and I got chatting. Darren just giving me that little nudge that I probably needed to say, look, we need to do more. 
Um, and we have. <laughs> um, we've created monuments for UK veterans and the American Civil War Association. Um, I've got my mum on board, even though at nearly 80, she's already transcribed the probably nearly 300 veterans that we know existed. Um, I'm busy going through newspaper archives, finding these veterans wherever I can and, and documenting them. Uh, we'll do them virtually online on our Facebook group. Uh, we're in the pros of creating a website and we'll document, we're going to produce portfolios on these veterans, etc. And one of the things that I did find out, which I've really kind of, as I'm a retired cop and, you know, the idea of peer support is quite important to me. And I, one of the things that I found a, a great comfort that my veteran great-great-grandfather, when he died, was actually in the company of other American Civil War veterans as part of the London branch of American Civil War veterans. Um, he was member number eight, and he held the prestige on the uh, inauguration of the society or the branch in, on the 20th of September, 1910, to be the oldest veteran there, apparently. And um, yeah, so the idea that when he passed away, he, he had, before he passed away, that he had the opportunity to share experience with other, you know, and enjoy fellowship from other veterans. And it, it means a lot to me, but I think, whereas the branch served each other for getting the federal pensions, I almost see that the work with Daz and I and any other willing volunteer, because God knows we, we need volunteers to, to support us in this process, we're really taking the baton from those London-based veterans of 1910. Uh, the last member of the branch apparently died out and died in 1933, and with that, the branch finished. Um, I found one veteran in north of England in 1940 who passed away. But I, I have this kind of fanciful idea that where those veterans secured each other's pension, that perhaps Darren uh, uh, Ray, um, who's our treasurer, and other members of our group, Tom and John, and, and other willing volunteers can help us carry the baton from, you know, 1933, pick it up and bring it forward. So where they secured their pensions, we will secure their monument. And as I say, we'll do it in many ways. So the aim is ultimately to get one singular monument and we're trying, trying to get funding for that at the moment uh, through GoFundMe. Um, we've secured a thousand pound of three thousand pound target so far. I think we've only been going six weeks, haven't we, Darren? Yeah, not, not that much longer. No. Um, so yeah, so that's really where we're at. I'm conscious I've probably been talking without the interruption. For well, a lot of exciting stuff to talk about, though. I mean, yeah. Let, let me let me ask Daz because um, I, I remember when he went to the dedication ceremony that you mentioned a second ago, and and it, it, he called me up and he's like, I, "I get to do this thing. This is going to be so cool, and I feel so honored." Daz, tell me about that experience because I know it, it was very moving for you. Um, yeah, um, the day didn't go well for me, <laughs> actually. Um, the day was amazing, don't get me wrong. But um, firstly, I had to get through traffic in London, which I, I did account for, but, you know, it, it was not easy. <laughs> I found the cemetery, but could I find the plot myself? You know, I couldn't find it anywhere. And then I had to rush to get my kit on. And, and then, it's, well, the weather, Gene, and what was the weather like? 
Oh, George, George Denham, he'd looked after me every time we'd gone to clear the area. We yeah. had the support of Pancras and Islington Cemetery. They cleared the area. It really, you know, the work they did. But the one thing you can imagine, if people have an, an imagination of what they think the weather is like in England all the time, <laughs> well, on that day, yeah. it was very much so. It was, you know, the 30th of July. If there was going to be one day in the year that we kind of pinned our hopes on that would be sunny, it was the 30th <laughs> and sadly it was kind of it. We, we had sunshine and showers, um, but I wasn't going to be deterred. And fortunately, those um, blue-coated living historians, where it was an interesting experience for me, actually, uh, Chris, if I could share that. Yeah, sure. so I was stood behind the headstone of George and we had uh, Brian Davidson who represented the American Embassy in London, we had the ensign John Davis, uh, Sons of Union veterans of the Civil War present, but closer to me of which Daz was numbered were these federal soldiers wearing their blue coats and all the, the leather weather webbing and because the rain hit their uniforms I suddenly got this very unusual smell kind of emerging of kind of stale wool and leather and it for me it was an interesting experience because I thought it's probably what he smelled like <laughs> you know the months and months on the line he the weather actually probably personified his experience down in Warhatchee in November 1863 the weather had been appalling I know all about his accounts I'm right to, as of today I've actually concluded his book and it's ready for proofreading but the whole month of November in 1863 when they marched down to Warhatchee the day they took uh, attacked Lookout Mountain it was it was covered in, in mist and rain and maybe, maybe he was just sending a little nod to me oh. to go, <laughs> you know, and that smell that Daz and his fellow living historians provided me was just a little <laughs> nod to the past. So, yeah, so he didn't go well, but Daz, what might not have been a good experience for you, was a wonderful experience for me. Oh, I mean, the experience of being there was amazing yeah. once I finally got my kit on, but it was a rush, I tell you. It was a nightmare. Yeah. But eventually you know I got to enjoy it and just I never actually thought as a historian I would ever be part of something like that you know especially in the UK you know I didn't think that opportunity would ever come up I always thought to myself of maybe going tracking down a grave you know from from the civil war but being part of it was just and and that's why I contacted you Chris because I just thought this is definitely up emerging civil war street you know yeah oh yeah yeah. And, and it was it was great that you were provided us uh, with coverage from that event, because, you know, one of the things that I always come back to at the end of the day is, you know, we talk about these grand movement armies and we look at the arrows on the map. And it's really the individual experience of guys just like me and Daz and, and, and you know, and so to be able to be there at a, at a, I think, a really intimate personal moment where you rededicate someone's gravestone and remember that this person went through something and, and made sacrifices for the rest of us. I think that's just really, really important. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I've been involved in living history myself. I go to Normandy, um, I've had to have done for so many years. And I, I've always found that the people of mainland Europe who perhaps experienced occup occupation had perhaps more of an appreciation for their hard fought liberty. 
and for me, therefore, that the liberty, if you like, for when these veterans did return back to England, you know, they really had to fight for their pension. I found it a curious experience that I think it was Henry Clay Evans was called like the, um, in fact, I wrote it down, one of the grand in, um, conquistadors that he, you know, that they really had to argue their case. It took my great great grandfather. Uh, seven years to get his pension he forgot that he enlisted in a, a, another name which hindered his process um he forgot that he'd enlisted he'd served on the chickasaw and said instead that he'd served on the choctaw um by a strange and it, as a i'm a former cop I, I think i said that before i managed to crack a cold case about 110 years later he was granted his pension it, but the curious thing that he by a flaw, an admin error. There was a man called George Dunham who had served with the 8th New Hampshire's who claimed that he was from England and had served on the USS Choctaw. And therefore, when my great-grandfather was applying for his pension, there was an anomaly with the names, but by fate or good fortune, whatever you want to call it, he ended up getting his pension because the pieces still fit you know that he is service with the 111th kind of bore testament and that whatever happened to george dunham i don't know uh, there was definitely never a pension application uh, uh filed by him but yeah and up until probably about this about a year ago we all thought that george denham had served on the choctaw but the pieces didn't fit and then one evening i cracked it and used um fold free the website and found one of the pension cards and and his service so yeah and as of today uh i started right i had this fanciful idea of writing george denham's story i didn't want it to die with me um, and I didn't want, which is yet reasons why Darren and I have started the association, the knowledge that people have gathered together separately about all these veterans. I didn't want that knowledge to die with these people, that this research, to me, it's important that we share it and, and make sure that it's available, that everybody can carry the baton of history forward. Um, you know, so today marks the, the ending of George Denham's draft story. 82,000 words later, 30 chapters. Um, and yeah, I'm quite kind of pleased. So yeah, I need some proofreaders now. So, <laughs> so yeah. The story so, of my life, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that, Chris, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So tell us about the organization and uh, if people want to get involved, how can they help? Okay, well, I guess, the, I mean, Daz, do you want to say anything? I'm conscious that I'm doing well, I just want to. I just want to point out that, because a lot of people don't realise how many uh, British people were actually involved in the Civil War. And I've been doing some research lately, and, and I've found out that 50,000 British people were involved in the Civil War. Um, around about 10,000 were English, and the rest are obviously Scottish and Welsh. But so I just wanted to point that out before we went on to to to, to how we can uh, you know get the support we need. I, I'm, I'm kind of chuckling because people say, well, what if what if Britain had gotten involved in the Civil War? And essentially, what you're saying is they did fifty thousand strong mm -hmm. uh, in various capacities. Uh, and that's not an insignificant number of people. No, no. It's. I mean, I always find it fascinating. I suppose it the, the, how the interplay of 
culture and ideas kind of mixed in. I mean, when George Denham, um, after they uh, were uh, had their successful attack at Mission Ridge, they then kind of followed the rear guard of Patrick Claiborne's army uh, to Taylor's Ridge and Ringgold. And, you know, where, where they then made their last stand. Um, it's interesting because Patrick Claiborne's men were described, I mean, Patrick Claiborne had been in the British Army. And then Patrick Claiborne's men were described as Spartans, you know, taking cover in that kind of, in that little gap in the valley. Um, but months later, there was a ceremony, uh, or sorry, not months later, but on the 9th of December 1863, uh, I think Senator Francis um, stood in front of the men of the 111th and called them the Spartans of Lookout Mountain. And I found it a curious interplay there that at one point the, the Confederate soldiers at Taylor's Ridge were deemed as Spartans that the successes of the 111th and other men at Lookout Mountain uh, gave them this title of being Spartans as well, which be, which be, became the, the title of the book that I, you know, I'm producing, the man who, uh, the Spartan who climbed Lookout Mountain. But yeah, I mean, just, I mean, as Dad said, 50,000 uh, people from the UK serving the American Civil War. Um, I'm going through the pension files at the moment. Um, fortunately, we've got a few databases like Ancestry, et cetera, in the UK that I can access and, and finding these veterans. So I've been using the British newspaper archives. Um, the, there's 811 pension files um, um, that were filed from the UK as well. Um, some of them are for um, some of the conflicts afterwards, but in the main, they are 1864 to 1934 I think or 1861 to 1934 but yes it's a big piece of work I don't think any one person can do it on its own and I think Daz and I agree and the other people who've joined us this isn't a piece of work but we want to keep to ourselves so going back to what you said uh, Chris you know how can people find us we are on Facebook uh, hashtag the monumental project or the long-worded yeah, <laughs> monuments, for, <laughs> monuments for UK veterans of the American Civil War Association. But one of the important things for me is that, as I say, we want to do uh, actual physical monuments. We can get the, the um, headstones from the Department of Veteran Affairs, but it comes with it a cost. We still have to pay customs duty, believe it or not. So when they're coming to the UK, George Denham's headstone cost me £175 in customs duty. I don't know what the exchange rate is for that. Plus, you've got to pay for the headstone. Plus, you must have, might have to pay for the, the plot of land. You might have to pay, um, so say, for example, the headstone for James O'Neill, um, which is our next project, and the headstone's already arrived in this country, will not be without cost at the moment. I will probably be um, paying for the the customs duty myself but the funding that we're doing at the moment the three thousand pounds is for a general monument and it will just represent soldiers who serve 
Sino-American Civil War, uh, we determined at our um, last meeting, um, we, we had a um, Jay Rarick, uh, Rarick, Jay, I hope I'm saying your surname correctly, who's part of the Sons of Union Veterans of the Civil War, lives in Virginia, and he kind of gave us some advice. So we're kind of thinking of the wording. And I think we're going to be using something from the Grand Army of Republic as well. Um, but yeah, if people can fund even a five, you know, five dollar donation, it all matters. You know, within in five weeks, we're up to a thousand pounds. But please, if, if anybody wants to support our endeavors, um, as I say, they can find us on Facebook and they can message us on Facebook. Um, and yeah, they can, um, if they can don donate, uh, it will be gratefully received and it re any, anything will, all matters. So, and, and I think Darren mentioned this before, um, I don't know if you can see this, Chris, even if somebody lives stateside, if they donate, they'll stick, they'll get a sticker. <laughs> and hell, <laughs> and we all love a sticker and That's it's right. final. Right. And yeah, so if you'll get a return on your investment, not to know that you've been part of an important endeavor, you'll get a sticker to show it as well. Everybody loves <laughs> So so Daz, when you first came to me about this project and you're real excited, and I had mentioned that uh, one of our ECW colleagues, Frank Jostremski, has been doing a similar project here in America where he's trying to get headstones for veterans. And I, I connected the two of you. Um, tell me just a little bit about that connection and, and kind of what you talked about with Frank and how that might have helped you. Yeah, so um, I had a really long chat with him, actually. It was about an hour and an hour or so, I think. And uh, But he he basically just went through everything that he's doing in, in the States. Um, and really and truly, I put him in contact with Gina um, more than anything. So I don't know whether Gina had a conversation with him or not. But it was it was, it was an amazing conversation. And, uh, I mean, the guy guy's really heavily involved in it and uh, it was great talking to the guy but I did I did uh, pass his details to uh, Gina as well so uh, I don't know whether Gina had a really good chat with him not yet <laughs> don't forget that I, I, I get confused sometimes am I speaking to a client as a counsellor now or... yeah and, and Frank okay, writes yeah. about his uh, adventures uh, every month in America's Civil War magazine uh, so you can read about his great work there and I think it's really exciting that you guys are basically picking up that baton and, and mm -hmm. carrying on with it there in England the, the interesting thing for me is on the second, the last piece of the jigsaw for me is to walk in the footsteps of George Denham and my cousin and I are flying into Nashville on the 2nd of April and we are going to follow his footsteps. We're going to make... I, I will miss you by days. I'm actually going down wow. at the end of March with the American oh. Battlefield Trust to wow. walk in those very same footprints. And then I'm going to Mobile in the summer for the uh, ABT uh, Teacher Institute. So wow, I, wow. I yeah, that is, yeah, and that's going to be another story to be told. It's almost like I'm going to do his, the, the army bit, you know, his time, and then I'm going to do his naval service. Um, but the interesting thing for me is not all these London-based veterans stayed in the UK. Um, so there was James H. Cleggett. He was born in 1835 in New York, I believe. And he was for, he came to England in about 1907. Um, and he apparently had the pension bureau at his fingertips. He was an amazing asset to these 
you know, these Londoners who had no idea how to file for their federal pension. Um, I've got images of him. He attended Brookwood Cemetery in 1918 to lay wreaths for the, uh, the Americans who'd served in World War One. And in about 1921, James Cleggett returned to Chicago and he died in 1929 and he's buried at Lincoln Cemetery in Cook County, Illinois. Um, I have a friend who lives about five minutes from that cemetery wow. and from what he's told me, um, and believe me, we've already started reaching out to interested parties, the Women's Relief Corps, the local Sons of the Union veterans of the Civil War, but we found that James doesn't have a headstone. So you know where this is going, Chris. <laughs> so the idea is um, about the week of about the 11th of April through to about the 15th, at some point, we were meant to be flying from Nashville up to Chicago. And I said to my cousin, should we drive? So we're gonna go, kind of go a little bit of the route that George Denham uh, took when he traveled down to Nashville by, by a train. And we're gonna stop at Lincoln Cemetery, Cook County, Illinois, and we're gonna pay our respects that us Londoners haven't forgotten, forgotten this honorary Londoner who is member number 11 of the London branch of American Civil War veterans. We wanna thank him for his service, not just to the union, but to the London-based veterans who had no idea how to file for their pension. So we wanna say, James, we haven't forgotten you. We're gonna come and find you and we're gonna honor your service. <laughs> oh, that's a wonderful story. Well, keep us updated on how that goes. We'd love to see some pictures. Okay, we'll okay. Definitely Brilliant. touch back with you. So anything I haven't asked you that I should have, either of you? No, I think I pretty much said all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm hoping we'll hear more from you as your adventures continue. We definitely want to support this effort. Oh, thank you so uh, much. So, and Daz, let me give you just a chance to give a plug because you're always doing some great stuff on your social media. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you got going on right now. Well, uh, in actual fact, about an hour ago, I, I interviewed a author from a publisher called Offspree. Um, they came to me and they they brought out this cool little Civil War book, um, which um, so I did interviewed that guy. Uh, what else have I got coming up? Um, not really much in the pipeline at the moment. I've got stuff going up in my off in my brain, which I'm. <laughs> gonna you know the way you know i sit there at work and i think about all this stuff um i'm probably going down the route of titanic actually oh, next tyler yeah we're gonna go on that route and uh also what else was it there was a so there, there's a lot of stuff coming up but it's all still locked in my brain at the moment yeah. <laughs> you know, it's i always think of the great quote from mozart and someone asked him about a symphony he says i have it done I just haven't written it down yet. Exactly. Because it was all up here. I, mean, I just haven't written it down yet. So, well, I want to thank both of you for spending some time with me today to talk about this uh, fantastic project. We'll make sure that we've got some information at emergingcivilwar.com so that you guys can get involved with the, let me read my notes here, Monuments for UK Veterans of the American Civil War Association, hashtag the Monumental Project. And you can support it with your finances, uh, with your with with uh, volunteer help, um, all sorts of great stuff. Get involved, and I look forward to hearing from you, Gina, Daz. Thank you both so much for being with us today. Thank, thank you. Much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And we will see all of you online and on the battlefield.
And before we wrap up, I want to remind you to please like and share and subscribe to the podcast. We want to help get the word out about the gospel of the Civil War, and we want your help in doing so. Please join us in sharing the word on your social media channels. I want to thank Jackson Mikowski, our engineer, for helping us sound good and piecing all this together. And of course, speaking of sounding good, there is the second South Carolina string band, which provides our theme music. Thanks to them. You can find them online at civilwarband.com. And don't forget to join us online at emergingcivilwar.com. 30 of us spreading that gospel of the Civil War, helping people stay connected to America's defining event. Free content every day on the blog. We want you to be part of that conversation with us at emergingcivilwar.com. Thanks today to Darren Rawlings. Daz is always great to have on. Thank you so much. And Gina Denham from the Monuments for UK Veterans of the American Civil War Association. I'm Chris Mikowski for the Emerging Civil War Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you online and on the battlefield. (laughs) ¶¶